Fly Fishing Internet Radio, your source for learning more about fly fishing in cold water, warm water, and salt water. Hello, I'm Roger Maves, your host for tonight's show. On this broadcast, we'll be featuring Richard Pulaski, and he'll be answering your questions on fishing mice. This show will be 90 minutes in length, and we're broadcasting live over the Internet. If you'd like to ask Richard a question, just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and use the Q&A text box to send us your question. We'll receive your question immediately, and uh, we'll try to answer as many of them as possible on the show tonight. And while you're there, make sure you sign up to receive our announcements so you don't miss out on any of our future broadcasts. You'll see a form on the right column of, of the web pages. Just fill in your name and your email address, and we'll keep you informed. This broadcast is being recorded. will be available for playback on our website about 48 hours after the show ends. You can also find it on any of the podcast distribution sites like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, Feedspot, Player FM, or any of the other platforms that you might be using for podcasts. So if you have to leave early, you can return to our website at, or any of the distribution platforms at your convenience and listen to the recording at any time. If you're out and about on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, we'd be uh, sure appreciated if you'd share the podcast. And when you do, use the hashtag AskAboutFlyFishing. Again, hashtag AskAboutFlyFishing. In fact, if you have a moment to do that right now, go ahead and do that right now. Open up another tab on your computer and, uh, and uh, share our show. We'd sure appreciate it. The content of this broadcast is copyrighted and is the property of the Knowledge Group Inc. doing business as Ask About Fly Fishing. Baja Fly Fishing Company is dedicated to fulfilling your vacation dreams. And just so there's no mistake, they derive as much pleasure helping a novice improve as they do fishing with a pro. From the casual to the hardcore, they can match your expectations with their experience and coaching. A vacation with Baja Fly Fishing is more than a fishing trip. It's a full-on Baja experience that you will remember forever. They know the Baja after 40 years of traveling its back roads, kayaking its shoreline, surfing and snorkeling while pioneering the fly fishing techniques that have evolved into the tactics used today. They're well-versed in fly fishing the beach, in kayaks, on tongas, and are well-versed in all tackle types. Join them in pursuit of roosterfish, dorado, marlin, sailfish, wahoo, jack creval, yellowfin, skipjack, and many other species. Learn more about Baja Fly Fishing Company by visiting their website at BajaFlyFish.com. Again, that's BajaFlyFish.com. Before we introduce Richard, I'd like to let you know about the great prizes we have to give away tonight for our drawing tonight. And we'll be giving away a one-year membership to Fly Fishers International and a one-year subscription to the Fly Fishing in Time Journal. So you have two chances to win tonight in our drawing. Now, if you haven't registered yet for the drawing, you can do so now. Just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and look for the link under Richard's section that says click here to register for our drawing. Click on the link, fill out the form, and we'll announce the winners at the end of the show. We'll also be giving away a $25 gift certificate for Front Range Anglers in Boulder, Colorado. And here's how you can win. You must be the first person to answer the question we ask at the end of the show. Or it could be two, two questions, a two-part question. Uh, but the question will be about something that Richard and I talk about during the show. So you've got to submit your answer along with your name and your location using that text box on our home page, the same one that you can use to ask questions during the show. So uh, listen closely and uh, take notes and use your best typing skills, and maybe you'll win uh, that $25 gift certificate to Front Range Anglers in Boulder. And by the way, you can read that either uh, in-store or online as well. So uh, those of you that are elsewhere can, can use that, uh, that gift certificate uh, too. 
Our guest tonight is Richard Palatsky. Richard lives in Littleton, Colorado with his wife, Cheryl, and Border Collie mix dog, Bella. Uh, he was born in Montreal, Canada, and grew up in upstate New York. Richard has lived in Colorado for over 39 years, and he's been uh, fly tying and fly fishing for over 40. For the last 25 years, he, he specialized in tying flies for and fishing Rocky Mountain West Stillwaters. He does many fly tying demonstrations at events like the Fly Fishing Show, the International Sportsman's Expo, Black Canyon Fly Fishing Show, Western Colorado Fly Fishing Expo, the New Mexico Trout Symposium, the Fly Fishers International um, uh, National Conclave at, uh, and fly tying clinics at many Denver area fly shops, TU and FFI chapters. In addition, Richard is a life member of both Trout Unlimited and Fly Fishers International, and he's a member of the Cutthroat Chapter, Trout Unlimited, and past member of the Board of Directors of Colorado Trout Unlimited. Richard Flies have been exhibited in Boulder Art Museum and Pritchard Art Museum in Idaho Falls. He is currently a member of the Regal Engineering, River Road Creations, Unibobber, and Wasatch Angling Pro staffs. Richard and his fly patterns have been featured in books by Gary LaFontaine, Pat Dorsey, Marty Bartholomew, Jim Schollmeyer, and also Southwest Fly Fishing. Colorado Outdoors, and Fly Fusion Magazine. His fly patterns are displayed on the internet in both pictures and video. His biggest influences in fly tying have been Gary LaFontaine, Jack Dennis, John Betts, Craig Matthews, and Al McKay. What Richard likes best about fly tying is the creative aspect, especially searching out little-known materials to create new patterns. Richard, welcome back to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. Uh, glad to be here, Roger. Uh, I always enjoy it. Yeah, well, good, good. I'm just looking back over the years at um, at the shows we've done together, and uh, so people, if you'd like to search these out after tonight's shows and see what the other things that Richard and I have talked about over the years, uh, we've done a session on still seasons of still water and the still waters in the Rocky Mountains, uh, fly fishing with terrestrials in the Rockies lake fishing with damsels and dragons, and tonight, uh, mousing. So um, so check out his other shows, and uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy them, especially if you love fishing still waters. Richard's a, a real pro at that. So so with that said, Richard, we got lots of questions tonight. People seem to be interested in, in mice and mousing, so we better get at it here and uh, see if we can't answer some questions. Sound good? Yeah, we certainly got a lot of questions, uh, Samhain. Yeah, yeah. People are very interested. I counted uh, almost 40. Yeah. What initially got you interested in, in uh, fishing mice? Well, in, in my uh, years of stillwater fishing, I try every year to try something new. And uh, I'd had a whole bunch of mouse flies that I'd gotten in uh, various places, a lot of them right off of eBay or online. And most of them were uh, clipped deer hair type patterns similar to uh, Dave Whitlock's mouse rat. And uh, I just decided that this year I'm going to fish mice. And uh, I had a couple of good places that I wanted to try them. And uh, I just, uh, actually the first year that I fished mice, I also fished frogs for the first time. And uh, fishing, uh, I was actually fishing some uh, bass and bluegill water with uh, mice and frogs, and uh, then I switched over to some trout still waters. 
and just kept going. I've, I've been fishing mice now for uh, about two years, and uh, I actually had a chance to go fish them today. We've got open water on some of uh, the uh, lakes here in Colorado. It was 62 degrees here today, and uh, I see no problem with uh, fishing mice even uh, at this time of year. Yeah, well, it's a beautiful day in Colorado. Going to get cold again tomorrow, I guess. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> you got to take them and get them, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, good. So, so you've been delving into the mice. Um, uh, now, it's we're not just really talking about mice tonight, uh, because there's other similar animals that um, there's, there's that other mammals. Right? Yeah. You know, you have mice, you have voles, you have uh, shrews, and you have lemmings. Actually, shrews are uh, uh, moles. They're in the mole family. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, essentially it's a swimming mammal. I actually uh, looked up today Gary LaFontaine's uh, pattern called the creature, which is essentially, he described it as uh, imitating a small mammal. And it looks like a mouse or a shrew or uh, any of those uh, small mammals. Uh, but it has no flotation on it. It would actually uh, probably uh, just be subsurface. Interesting pattern, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fish seem to be interested in them, right? Well, yeah, they're big food source. When I do my uh, presentations on still water and terrestrials at the International Sportsman's Expo, which I'll be doing in the next two days, I have a picture of about a 17 or 18 inch rainbow. And uh, it was from the Togiak National Wildlife uh, Reserve in Alaska. And uh, it had 20, what was identified first as 20 mice, but they're actually 20 shrews. And uh, the thing about shrews is they're poor swimmers, but uh, obviously uh, this guy had a taste for uh, uh, small mammals. That's a, all in one fish. All in, all in one, fish. one fish. And it's not that big a fish. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's about a 17 or 18 inch uh, rainbow, and it was stuffed. Wow, wow. So one is not enough, evidently. And, one is um, not enough. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah. if they're around. And it's similar, you know, with other things. I know when I fish adult damsels, I've actually caught fish that on, a, on an adult damsel that had uh, adult damsels leaking out of their gill plates. Their yeah. whole uh, stomach and throat were stuffed with damsels and they were still eating them. Yeah, yeah. I guess we see that all the time or another, you know, you pull a fish out and there's a tail sticking out of its mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and it's trying to eat another one, you know. Let's go figure. But um, so how do they figure these mice or shrews, you know, get into the water in the first place? They don't well, have to, uh, actually, that's for sure. <laughs> well, uh, it's been documented that uh, mice will swim to cross rivers. Um, also, in uh, times of high water, the banks can be washed out and uh, their burrows can be uh, uh, washed out and uh, the mouse gets deposited in the river. And uh, actually, one of the questions submitted was from uh, someone who ranches and they said when uh, they mow hay, mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot more mice that get driven out of the fields and uh, end up in the river. Yeah. That's yeah, something just that like I a grasshopper or, or any yeah. other terrestrial, it just 
by accident, yeah. right? Falls yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. But the uh, thing is that uh, they recognize the mouse as food, definitely, a big food item, and uh, it'll attract some uh, bigger fish. It'll, it'll actually attract some smaller fish sometimes, too. I have a, uh, a picture that I took this summer. I was fishing about a three-inch long mouse on a size 2-0 bass stinger hook, and I caught a three-and-a-half-inch smallmouth. <laughs> that went after okay. that mouse. I'll be, so it's I'll not be. just the big guys. They, you know, they know it's food. They'll go after it. And we're not talking just about trout here either, right? I mean, bass, no, no. Pike, whatever. No, I, I fish uh, largemouth bass, bluegills. I've caught in bass bluegill water that I fish, I catch more bluegills than I do bass. And people are surprised that I'm, and, uh, I'm catching them on... Uh, size two hooks sometimes. I've mm -hmm. uh, caught a bunch of them on uh, 4X long size two hooks. I've uh, changed hook sizes and fly sizes a number of times as I've evolved in my uh, mouse fishing. But uh, pike are well known for uh, chasing mice. I haven't had a chance. I've got uh, two places that I want to try this coming year in Colorado, because there's not a lot of places with pike. Um, I've also got a couple of pictures that Jeff Courier sent me. I gave him some of my mice when he went to the Amazon, and he sent back a picture of about a 10 or 12-pound uh, butterfly peacock bass with uh, the mouse in his mouth, and he uh, sent a picture of a bicuda, which is a uh, kind of a gar-looking fish uh, out of the Amazon. So mm -hmm. pretty much anything that feeds at the surface will go after a mouse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. I also tied I also tied some uh, mice at uh, the fly fishing show last weekend for a friend that fishes tarpon and snook, and he's going to fish them for tarpon and snook. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that makes sense. You know, down in the the tropics and. You know, you've got mangroves hanging over. There's got to be mice all over down. I mean, there's mice pretty much everywhere in the world. Well, probably, probably the best known areas for fishing mice are places like Kamchatka, yeah. uh, Mongolia, Alaska, and uh, Labrador for big brook trout. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just got a message that from somebody that said the, the audio quality wasn't very good. I'm wondering if it's just him. Uh, or other people. So if, um, Phil, I see that you're on there. How's the audio, audio quality for you? If you'll write in, let me know. I know, know there's much I can do about it on this end, so I'm hoping it's on the other end. Uh, but if you guys will let me know, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, well, let's talk about um, these patterns and hooks and all this stuff. Lots to talk about here. What are some of the patterns that you've tried, and what did you find the you know the pros and cons? Which ones worked better? What didn't you like, or did you like about the ones you tried? Well, uh, the first pattern I tried was uh, a Whitlock mouse rat, which is a clipped deer hair. You you know you can put ears and whiskers on it, and eyes, and a tail. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of patterns that are essentially deer hair 
uh, clipped uh, with a tail. And, you know, some people put feet on them. Some people put ears and eyes. I don't think you need them. But uh, the next one that I tried was uh, the Morris mounts, uh, the Ken Morris pattern, which is essentially a, uh, a clipped deer hair underbody with a foam back. And uh, I fished that for a little while, and uh, then I started modifying the Moorish mouse, and I started using uh, pine squirrel for the underbody and the tail on the Moorish mouse. And then I did some more experimenting. I had some uh, cylindrical gray foam called backer rod, which is used uh, to fill cracks before caulking. And uh, I'd had... Uh, several rolls of it in my basement for probably 10 or 12 years, and I hadn't found a good way to uh, get a good taper on it to tie it into uh, a fly. It was a nice gray color that looked mousy. And uh, as I was experimenting with the Moorish Mouse, I had the River Road Creations uh, Moorish Mouse Cutter and tried it on that cylindrical foam, and it worked like a charm. And so uh, I started uh, making essentially the back of the uh, mouse fly, uh, that backer rod material. And uh, pros and cons. Uh, I uh, kind of think the uh, clipped deer hair style flies are almost too big, if you can get a real small one. Uh, what I've found as I've gone along is I started real big, and I'm gradually sizing my mice down. And I think I'm getting better reaction in terms of uh, number of hookups versus strikes. Um, flotation, uh, deer hair works well. They all float well. The uh, Moorish uh, mouse uh, floats just fine with the uh, foam on it and the uh, one with the backer rod out. I did look at uh, the uh, Mr. Hankey pattern and... Uh, I like the fly itself. It's foam and uh, mousy looking, but I don't like the trailing hook because uh, I think you get a lot of foul hooking, and I also don't want uh, a second hook flying around when I'm handling a big fish that's been hooked on the front hook. I uh, prefer not to uh, have to remove hooks from me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that uh, hanky, I think they have the, the main hook, and then they tie a... Yeah, they've got uh, a big main hook, and then they have a uh, trailing, uh, I think it's like an octopus, uh, and they tie it in up, point up. Yeah, point up to hopefully not get the tongue of the, the fish, but the, I guess the upper jaw. Um, yeah, I guess uh, you just have to experiment with that, but we all experience, you know, bad hookups, which we hate because we're damaging the fish, so yeah. something to really keep in mind when you're fishing any kind of fly is how how, how are the hookups that you do get, you know. Um, uh, we should also talk quickly about the uh, hook that you use for the mouse fly. Um, yeah, in fact, why don't, you, why don't you break your, why don't you break down your pattern? I put a picture up on our website for them to see. So they yeah. can see your pattern there with, and by the way, this because when Richard told me about this backer rod, I didn't really understand what he was saying at first. And then when I went to the hardware store and tried to explain what I was looking for, <laughs> it took me a while. But 
what this stuff is, it's uh, foam that they, you stick in joints uh, to fill uh, gaps or like uh, to prevent drafts and stuff in your house, uh, caulking kind of thing. And I guess the size you got is a three-eighths inch uh, size for the, the well, there's, house. Yeah, there's size. three main sizes, three-eighths, one-half, and five-eighths. Yeah. And uh, I've tried all of them. Uh, I think size of the fly is uh, very important, though. Uh, what I started out with was uh, larger flies, and I've gradually been downsizing my flies. Uh, I'm, I do like uh, my favorite hook probably is a uh, 2X long nymph hook. Um, you know, name any brand that you want. A 2X long nymph hook is... Uh, good proportions. I had tried 4X long nymph hooks or streamer hooks and found uh, they were a little too long. I tried uh, two zero bass stinger hooks and I don't like that. In fact, uh, there are lodges in Alaska that ban the use of those because of uh, higher fish mortality with that uh, bass stinger hook. But pretty much, I, I like a right now a uh, size two, four, or six, two uh, X long nymph hook for my primary hook, and it's it's a nice heavy uh, wire hook. Uh, once you get a fish hooked, you don't uh, lose a lot of them. But uh, what I do find is uh, if you've got a larger size mouse, I know one of the first times I fished mice. Uh, on a lake that I fish all uh, fished for many many years, probably 15 years, I had probably over 100 hits, but the fish weren't big enough to take it. It was a size two mouse, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure I, I probably had 100 hits and maybe landed five. I, I probably had another five that uh, uh, were hooked and uh, uh, came off before I could uh, get them to net, but uh, very low hookup rate simply because the uh, fly was too big for the yeah. fish. The fish fish yeah. were maybe 12 to 14-inch uh, cutthroats and rainbows and uh, a few browns. But, so the, uh, this 3-8-inch this uh, backer rod is what you The 3-8-inch backer rod uh, in, a, in about a size 4 or 6 2X long nymph mm-hmm. hook works very works. well. I fished that pattern when I was uh, down about three weeks ago in uh, Argentina, in Patagonia. And the fish definitely knew uh, what a mouse was, and I, I got lots of hits and uh, lots of uh, big fish hitting it. And that, those were uh, brook trout, brown trout, and uh, rainbows. And they were fishing in the middle of the day. Yeah. Well, why don't you walk people through how you tie that fly so that they understand what's all involved. Well, not that uh, hard to tie, right? Yeah. You can tie it once your backer rod is cut to size and you've uh, just cut off your uh, strips of pine squirrel. You can tie that fly in less than two minutes. You tie in a tail that's uh, two and a half to uh, three inches long, depending on the size of the uh, hook that you're using. Uh, you next tie in the... Uh, tapered backer rod piece uh, that you'll tie over the body and then you palmer a strip of pine squirrel up to the eye, tie it off, tie down the uh, backer rod and leave a uh, flat 
face uh, where you cut the back of the rod because uh, that's going to make a really nice popping surface. Essentially, that, that's a popping mouse, and uh, it'll just uh, burble and gurgle in the water. And uh, I think that's important uh, for uh, attraction. And uh, you just whip finish uh, under the uh, cutoff end of the uh, backer rod, and uh, you're done with the fly. But I tie it in you, probably a minute and a half. And you're using the, the pine squirrel as the tail as well, right? So pine, pine squirrel as the tail. I'll cut a strip of pine squirrel for the tail, tie that in, and then Palmer pine squirrel under the body. And I like the pine squirrel because of the uh, movement. Uh, pine squirrel is used a lot for uh, leech patterns because it flows and moves nicely. And uh, I think that uh, adds to the attraction of a fly. It also has a mousy color to it, too, um, I think. You know, well, yeah. Uh, depends on, actually, with pine squirrels, the back is a little more brown and gray. Or, no, brown and uh, almost a dark brown, and the belly is gray. So yeah. depending on where you're taking the strips from, mm -hmm. you can uh, vary the color of the underbody. But I don't yeah. think it makes much of a difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, let's come back to this in just a minute, uh, Richard. I need to take a quick break, but uh, let's continue discussing because there's more questions on okay. your fly and coming in and, uh, and others. So uh, hang with me just a minute. We'll be right back. Looking for that shot at Permit? Whipray Key Fishing Lodge in Belize is where you want to be. When you stay at Whipray Key Fishing Lodge, you're on a private island and are only minutes away from some of the finest permit fishing in Belize. Whipray Key is just a 30-minute boat ride from Placencia. Once you're there, you'll be fishing Permit Alley, one of Belize's best fisheries, and you won't be taking long boat rides to get started. You'll fish with world-class guides like Daniel Cabral, whose family has fished the area for over 30 years. Want to switch it up and fish for tarpon and bonefish and make it a grand slam? They can make it happen at Whipray Key Fishing Lodge. Book your next adventure now. Visit WhiprayKeyFishingLodge.com. That's WhiprayCayFishingLodge.com. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, and we're talking with Richard Palatsky about fishing mice. If you'd like to ask Richard a question, just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and use the Q&A text box to send us your question. We'll receive your question immediately, and we'll try to answer as many of them as possible on the show tonight. So, Richard, I always ask my guests what's going on in your fly fishing world, so tell us what you've been up to and what you got planned here for the next couple months. Well, I'm uh, at the uh, International Sportsman's Expo at the uh, Colorado Convention Center in Denver, uh, tomorrow and Friday, and I'll be doing uh, PowerPoint presentations uh, first. On Thursday, I'll be doing stillwater fly fishing, and then on uh, Friday, I'll be doing terrestrial fly fishing. I'll be tying Thursday morning, well, early part of the show, 12 to 2. Uh, the show opens at 12 on Thursday uh, at our uh, fly tying booth there, and I'll probably... Uh, be around the show Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, uh, partially just to uh, rubberneck and look around, and I'll probably be tying flies. At, uh, I've had offers at uh, several different booths to go in and just spend an hour or two tying flies. There you go. And I'll be tying uh, mice, certainly. I'll probably be tying a bunch of other uh, terrestrial-type patterns. Um, Damsel. 
damsels, uh, damsels and dragonflies uh, I really enjoy. Uh, fish those for oh, probably 15 years or more uh, extensively. They're a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, I can I can attest to that. I've used your flies, <laughs> and uh, those damsels work great. So, uh, yeah, well, so if that folks are around the Denver area, you want to meet uh, Richard, stop by ISE and uh, and, and uh, let them know you're there. And uh, you also uh, show up at some of the club events and stuff around town uh, here in Colorado as well, right? Oh, yeah. We have the uh, West Denver Fly Tying Clinic on February 8th. I'll be at that. Mm -hmm. uh, that's an annual event that's been going on for probably 25 or more years. Uh, actually, I think I've tied at it for 25 years, so <laughs> I know it's been been going on for at least that long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very good, very good. Um, so more about, uh, let's get back to the flies and... Um, You've, you know, we did have questions about the size, like Dino in Michigan. I hope you got your question answered because uh, Richard has been talking about the size um, as being important. And um, there was uh, Dino wrote in a, another question. Uh, he, he's talking about is a white belly ever advantageous, or should the fly be completely dark? Any thoughts on that? I don't think a white belly is advantageous. I know. Uh that uh, one picture, for instance, from the Togiak uh, National Wildlife uh, Refuge, the shrews, in that case, are almost all black. They're uh, very, very dark, uh, brown or black. Especially when and, they're uh, wet, right? Pardon? I said especially when they're wet. Yeah, when uh, they're wet, they're, uh, they're, they're dark. They're, but uh, the thing is that uh, I think colors for mice can be anywhere from black to brown to uh, gray. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think it makes a big difference in terms of uh, attraction. Uh, I don't think any color is more advantageous. I like gray. Gray works nicely for me uh, for some things, but uh, I am tying uh, another pattern that I found on the Internet called the uh, Master Splinter, which uses... Um, Crosscut rabbit, and they actually had video of, uh, and they were fishing a black uh, master splinter for trout. And uh, I liked the movement of it; uh, it moved very well in the water, looked very realistic, and uh, I'm certainly looking forward to trying some. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm yeah, I was. Uh I'm trying to find that uh, so we could tell them where they can see that picture at. didn't want to post it because... Um, uh, uh, it's on YouTube. Uh, which picture? The, of all the, the shrews. And, uh, uh, I'm not sure where it's posted. I saw it on Facebook and uh, copied it off of Facebook. Oh. Um, and it was posted by one of the fisheries biologists. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll find it here while we're talking, um, but uh, yeah, the um, then people could see kind of the the color of that is what I was thinking about. I'll find it while we're talking. It's here. real dark. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you talked about the colors. Feet. Bob Dunn in uh, he lives in New Jersey and Vermont asked about uh, do you need feet on the on these flies. I haven't had any and uh, caught lots of fish, so <laughs> I 
I don't think you need any feet. Uh, some people put them on. They put feet. They put ears. They put whiskers. They put eyes. You know, the That's fish can't the, see them. The fly fisher, right? Certainly the ears, the eyes, the whiskers, the fish can't see. So they might see the feet, but I don't think they make a difference. And the same thing with rubber legs. Some people put rubber legs. In my experience, you just don't need them. You get something uh, like a uh, uh, pine squirrel, for instance, that moves nicely, and it looks like a swimming mammal body. Uh, it'll flow like that off of the uh, natural animal, and uh, that's all you really need. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I found the picture. Um, folks, you want to see this, go to uh, hatchmag.com on your computer, hatchmag.com, and then use their little search tool up in the upper right-hand corner and type in mice, and you'll be able to see uh, what... Uh, Richard's been talking about. And by the way, uh, thanks for everybody for sending in that the audio is good. So John, who's having problems, you might want to uh, disconnect and try connecting again, uh, something like that. That's all I can do for you, buddy. So, um, but everybody else is hearing me loud and clear, and, and Richard as well. So, uh, so that's what we got for you. And as far as, um, oh, oh yeah, Richard, we got a question in here. Anyway, you can post your mouse patterns, or are they posted anywhere, Facebook, Instagram? Um, we do have that picture on the website, which with Richard's description, you ought to be able to tie that, I think. There's not really that much uh, to it. Pretty simple. So uh, do you have anything else out there, Richard, that they would look at, or did you do a video on it? Well, I, I had the uh, picture certainly on Facebook, on uh, yeah. my Facebook page uh, earlier this year. That's about the only place I've really done it. I don't do it yeah. Instagram, so. Yeah. It, it's really so, interesting, uh, too, because uh, I've never posted on Instagram. I've got something like 30 followers on Instagram, <laughs> <laughs> and I've never posted. They're probably from Pakistan or, uh, you know. No, they're, they're, like uh, no? they're, oh, okay. they're people that I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just like I get a lot of. Russian women asking me for dates on Facebook, too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where they're coming from. They certainly don't know who they're asking for a date. So. Uh, they could do better. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, Let's but, look at um, the question about the Chris, uh, the Chris Helm uh, video and uh, the importance of a tail. Yeah, yeah. I put a yeah. tail on all my mice. I'm, you know, I've never fished one without one. I, I would suspect <laughs> that... Uh, You'd fish it just fine without one, but I want a tail on my mouse and uh, various materials. I'll, I'll tie it out of pine squirrel like I do on the uh, backer rod mouse. Actually, I've got a name for the backer rod mouse after going to Argentina. We call it Pepe Raton. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's what yeah. the guides called it down in uh, Argentina. Pepe Raton. But huh? uh, I've seen them use. Uh, I've seen them use leather. I've seen them use. Uh, rabbit strip that's been stripped down, uh, stripped some of the hair off it. I've seen them yeah. use chamois. I don't think it really matters what it is, but I'd like mm -hmm. to put a tail on there. And the next question was, what was the best material for a floating tail? Right. And you don't necessarily plan for your tail to float. The fly will float, and it doesn't matter. If the tail's attached, it's going to be right at the surface, too. So 
doesn't yeah. matter what it is unless you uh, put a lead tail on it. Yeah, um, and, uh, <laughs> um, we're going to talk about, you know, strategies and tactics for presentation and so forth in a minute, but uh, just relating to the tail, one of the, one of the things that I read was that, um, you know, think about how a, a mice is going to be swimming, kind of like your golden retriever is going to be swimming, right? You know, the doggy paddle and they're, they're you know, I, you know, I guess their tails float or don't float or whatever, but you're probably looking at most of the front end out of the water, I would think. Well, the, the tail follows the body, and the body right. is floating. Yeah. So it's going to be right at, right at the surface or in the film where it should if be. It's got any bulk to it at all, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me see. We've got um, well, Phil uh, in Kentucky. He said he, uh, he once caught a two-and-a-half-pound crappie while fishing lures for walleyes. He was shocked, but pleasantly slow. What has what has been the most unexpected fish you've uh, taken on a mouse fly? Probably a uh, three and a half inch smallmouth. <laughs> <laughs> I was fishing for bigger out. ones. Uh, uh, I do have yeah. one uh, place near my house that has smallmouth, and I usually catch them on uh, subsurface flies. But uh, you'll occasionally get one on the surface, and that's what I was fishing for. I've had. Uh, hits from bigger fish, but I haven't uh, landed uh, a bigger one. But that's yeah. probably the most unusual that I've seen. But uh, bluegills, certainly. Uh, I catch more bluegills uh, in bluegill bass water than I fish than I do bass. Yeah. And people um, are surprised that bluegills will hit a uh, mouse and get hooked. But they yeah. will. Uh, Doug wrote in here on the internet, and he says, "How do you spell the name of the foam Richard uses?" So it's spelled B A K B A C K B A C K E R, rod. And I get mine just uh, from Ace Hardware. It's probably at yeah. Home Depot. Yep. All of yep. the uh, from, from Home Depot. Yeah. Yeah. So B A C K E R, and then R O D comes in a yep. coil, uh, coiled up. Uh, Cylindrical uh, foam. Uh, Jean Browning in Colorado Springs. She says, uh, "How wide do you cut the pine squirrel for the tail?" Good, good question. I don't cut it. I get uh, <laughs> zonkered pine squirrel, which is it's probably a quarter inch or so. But uh, if if you just look at uh, any of the fly shops, you'll see. Pretty standard. The uh, uh, zonkered pine squirrels are usually from hairline, and uh, they're cutting about quarter-inch strips. Uh, they do vary a little bit because there are thicker ones and thinner ones, but uh, that's probably what the average is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't get into uh, cutting those uh, hides because it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah, really hard to do. I bet. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, and like you suggested to me, too, um, uh, Jay Stockard online has it. Um, Jay Stockard, I've ordered uh, uh, pine squirrels, too, and, and they're secondary from uh, Hairline also. Yeah. So uh, yeah. The, the big manufacturers like uh, Hairline and Wapsie uh, provide most of the uh, uh, pine squirrel that's out there. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Um, need to take a quick break again. Uh, we'll come back. We'll, we'll talk more about uh, mousing. So hang with us, everybody, and we'll be right back. 
Fly Fishers International needs your support. Its conservation projects at both the national and club level are addressing critical issues of importance to fly fishers. The organization provides grants to help with the restoration of habitats like Wolf Creek in Idaho and Sands Creek in Delaware County, New York, and funds projects that uh, collect valuable data about fish and their habitats like the peacock bass study in Miami, Florida. Fly Fishers International's values remain unchanged to serve as a strong advocate for fly fishing in all waters for all types of fish, and to preserve and promote the arts of fly casting and fly tying, and to help ensure future generations can enjoy, uh, continue to enjoy these one-of-a-kind experiences. These efforts won't be nearly as effective without your help. If you're not already a member, we invite you to join Fly Fishers International as they work to cultivate conservation, education, and community within the sport of fly fishing. Join Fly Fishers International today and help support their fine work. For more information, go to their website at flyfishersinternational.org. That's flyfishersinternational.org. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, and we're talking with Richard Palatsky about fishing mice. Uh, again, if you'd like to ask Richard a question, just go to our homepage, fill out that form, and send it to us, and we'll. Uh, We'll try to get the questions answered tonight uh, before we finish. Uh, <laughs> so Phil writes in here, uh, Richard, uh, Phil writes in, he says, thanks, I finally have a use for the roll of backer foam that I bought 25 years ago. <laughs> that sounds just like me. <laughs> well, I, I bought yeah. it originally because I figured, gee, this would make really good material for mice. Yeah, but I couldn't figure out how to how to get a good taper on the body because it, trying to tie in cylindrical foam it uh, is really tough, tough. to do with yeah. that uh, configuration. And it wasn't until I used the uh, River Road uh, Moorish Mouse cutter on it that I could get yeah. a good taper and uh, tie the body down nicely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny though. Yeah, we we have all these things in our basement. <laughs> you don't know what you have. All those treasures. Uh, well, you never well, yeah. you never know. Uh, let's uh, talk yeah. about uh, hook placement again. Um, yeah, we had a question on uh, effective, uh, most effective hook placement for mouse fly patterns. A trailer stinger style, which is the Mister Hanky uh, style, or the standard primary. And I always fish the standard primary. Uh, I, I told you what the uh, hook size is. I like to wear like a two X right. uh, nymph hook, two four or six primarily, and I don't like that extra hook on uh, Mr. Hankey. Uh, the rest of Mr. Hankey is a pretty standard-looking uh, foam and uh, hair mouse pattern. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Next, next question. And, well, let me, uh, let, let me, uh, uh, let, uh, let me uh, give credit to Stefan in Ellsberg uh, for asking, in Ellsberg, Washington, for asking yes. a question about the, the hooks. And, um, yeah, and John, uh, uh, Roby or Robbie, in Ohio is asking about, um, uh, he said, in fishing brook trout on Canadian lakes, I get a lot of strikes, but few actual hookups with mice uh, tied in a variety of patterns. I assume they are striking the tail. Do you have any ideas to improve the success of the hookups? I, I don't think they're striking the tail. Um, what I've found in my fishing, and I started with bigger mice, I found that uh, the fish were slapping the fly. They'd either head slap or body slap the fly. And this is something that you see with larger dry flies, like uh, 
dragonflies and damsels. I know for years I had, uh, I've got probably hundreds, close to a thousand pictures of fish caught on damselflies. And I must have 50 where they're hooked outside of the mouth. They're in the uh, gill flaps, under the chin, and top of the head. And what they're doing with uh, that fly is they're head slapping it to drown it, and they're going to eat it under the surface. So they don't necessarily uh, come up and eat your fly every time. Sometimes they'll slap it, and I think that's what they're doing with the mice. Now, when I was fishing in uh, uh, Argentina three weeks ago, I had a situation where I caught a uh, brook trout right in the belly, and he came up and body slapped that mouse, and I hooked him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I you think see that uh, you see that in the salt too, where um, a fish will, will, you know, like try to stun their try to stun the prey. the uh, target, yeah. and then yeah. come back and then to eat, eat it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get this bang, and you think you got a hit, you really didn't get it, and then and then right after that, boom, you know, you, you've got the hookups. And yeah. I have so had I fish. I think the record for me, I've had a fish hit it four times in a row. Yeah. And, then, and miss it every time. Yeah. But yeah, I think so I don't think they're wonder. going after the tail necessarily. I think they're trying yeah. to uh, stun the uh, uh, animal. We've got some questions about um, equipment. Uh, Dan Leibarger in uh, uh, Illinois, he says, what's a good weight rod and line to use with a mouse? Because that's important. Right? That is important. Um, what I like uh, for my use, I've got three seven weights that I really like. You can use a seven, uh, possibly an eight if you're going after bigger fish like uh, pike and bass, uh, bigger bass. Typically for trout, a seven weight would be good. You want one with a good stiff backbone. Uh, you don't want uh, a noodly rod. You don't want uh, a soft rod. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, probably a six to eight is what you'd want to uh, yeah. fish your mouse for because you're throwing a pretty good size fly there you need some uh, rod to do that with right yeah especially when it's wet and and so forth and um and by the way richard we got uh, dave uh, in, in cleveland uh, area it says i guess he's got some backer rod in his basement too so <laughs> you don't know what you started here <laughs> so uh but anyway, um, uh, Treg Owings uh, in Idaho want to know if you ever use a spay rod uh, for mice. Since I fish on still waters, a spay doesn't work real well on still waters. It's made yeah. for big rivers. Yeah. So I've never never tried it. Um, yeah. You no could use it. It would be work. overkill probably on uh, still water. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about your leader setup? We were talking about that. Uh, that's been evolving too. <laughs> Uh, I know I fished all summer this year in Colorado with about a four-foot uh, liter of uh, just straight 25-pound mason hard mono, and I was catching bluegills and bass and trout with that. Now, when I went to Argentina, I uh, sized down, and uh, I actually was using uh, down to about 8 to 12 pound mason hard mono. I like the mason hard mono because it's a stiff leader and it'll lay the fly out better. But you don't want anything more than about uh, six feet for a leader. 
maybe two sections of uh, Mason Hard Mono, um, and uh, that works very well. I I was experimenting when I was down in Argentina. I know I I tried changing my uh, length of uh, leader, and I found six six and a half feet worked uh, really well. And with a seven weight and a uh, size four mouse, I was probably hitting. 60 feet probably with a cast, which was plenty for uh, what we were fishing down there. So you said you were doing uh, two sections in the six foot. So what's your first section? What's I'd put the, uh, uh, something like 15 pound and 12 or uh, 12 and 8. Okay. And I'd do uh, four feet and two feet. Four and two. Yeah, not a lot okay. of people uh, tie their own leaders anymore. Uh, that's what I grew up doing. I've, I really uh, don't like the uh, prepackaged leaders for most of my fishing because they don't fit my purpose. I might cut yeah. the whole front front off and use the butt as a section, use the tapered part of the butt. But uh, mm -hmm. uh, well, if you're up. using, uh, if anybody's out there tying any kind of contact nymphing euro style leaders, a lot of times you're using exactly what you've just talked about, right. you know, 8, 12, or 15 in, the, yeah, in right. the butt section, so you can use that same stuff for this, yeah. But when I so. started fly fishing 40 years ago, I tied my own, hand-tied my own leaders always. Right. I had leader yeah. formulas and uh, just get a set of uh, uh, graduated uh, diameters and tie them down. Yep, yep, you get really good at blood knots that way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Um and then what knot do you use to tie the, the fly on? I use uh, an improved clinch knot, just standard. Yeah, not a loop, huh? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it was, um, what was that? Oh, yeah, Jeff Courier, I think, the other day in his presentation. Everybody talks about tying loop knots for streamer fishing, you know, and he says he just ties a good old clinch knot. And uh, so for, for each <laughs> method, there's yeah. an opposite method that seems to work just as well. So, um, well, let's, uh, Martin Coleman in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, uh, he says, is there a better time of year to fish a mouse pattern than, than others? That's interesting. I, I had a chance uh, to uh, fish a uh, still water today, and I would have fished mice today. Today's January 8th. Um, I was fishing earlier this year in early uh, May here in Colorado at uh, a lake at 7,500 feet, we were fishing in the snow, and uh, I lost uh, a very, very big, probably six-pound rainbow that uh, came three feet out of the water with my mouse in its mouth and uh, spit it out. And uh, I don't think uh, there's any, you know, there's there's no seasons you can't catch fish. Probably the uh, uh, High summer months are the best because I think uh, more mice will be exposed at that time. But any time that uh, the fish are looking up and see one of these things, that's a possible hit. And uh, they uh, will go after it just about any time of year. Okay, okay. Yeah, Andy Cordova was basically asking the same question, asking about smallmouth too, but... Um if you're fishing for smallmouth, you probably have open water, and that means mice can get to that open water. So uh, uh, I think those mice and 
I don't know if it's shrews and stuff too, work under the snow, don't they? Even if there's snow cover? Oh, yeah. They're in the grass yeah. underneath. Like well, these tunnels. if you've ever seen yeah. pictures of uh, foxes hunting mice in the snow, yeah. Yeah. they're diving. They, you know, they'll jump three feet up in the air and dive and uh, nail that mouse. And uh, you see it. I've seen lots of videos of that and then them coming up with the mouse yeah. in their mouth. Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're active uh, all year long. Yeah. They don't hibernate or anything. Yeah, here's um, you had referred to this question earlier, uh, Rick from Jackson, Wyoming. He says, hello, Richard. Glad you're back on the show. I live in western United States and have several different species and size of mouse which dictate patterns. We have a lot of ranching, too, where they cut the hay and disrupts the mouse habitat. I believe this is an increased time to see mice in the river, and fish seem to know it. I also believe the mouse population is cyclical in accordance to nature. Some, some years we have many mice, and, and mousing is better. And despite these observations, some colleagues of mine believe that trout do not take a mouse fly for a mouse. My colleagues believe the trout see a disturbance in the surface and take it as a basic opportunity of some sort of food, perhaps frog, small bird, uh, wounded first, but not necessarily a mouse. What's your opinion on that matter? Well, I don't care what they take it for. I care <laughs> if, if they take it. The yeah. thing is, they're, t they're you know they you know they don't say hey that's a uh, vole, uh, yeah, or that's a lemming, that's a shrew. Don't they say that's food? Yeah, you know uh, they've seen similar things. Uh, I don't think you see many birds swimming. Uh, of course, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I've seen oh, uh, ducklings. Yeah, yeah. Ducklings. Uh, pike especially will take. Uh, well, they'll take ducks, uh, yeah. full-grown ducks, big pike. They can eat a big one. But uh, yeah. I think they're seeing it as as a swimming mammal. They don't care if it's a mouse, a vole, a big mouse, a little mouse. It's dinner. Yeah. And lemmings uh, are notorious for cyclic uh, population booms. Mm. Uh, they have years in Alaska where uh, they're just hordes of lemmings. Uh, they're almost like a stampede. Right. And uh, it's very cyclical. You'll have almost nothing for years, and then all of a sudden, boom. Uh, yeah. Big, big population boom. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's take another quick break, and then uh, we'll come back and talk about some more uh, presentation strategies and stuff with Mike. So uh, hang with us, and we'll be right back. Watermaster is dedicated to providing their customers with the highest quality inflatables on the market, as well as unbeatable customer service and product support. They are best known for their signature products, the Watermaster Grizzly and Kodiak rafts. These rafts are lightweight, compact, durable, versatile, and safe. And the Watermaster rafts are everything your personal watercraft should be. They have been used by anglers and hunters all over the world for over 15 years, including Dave Whitlock, one of fly fishing's greatest innovators. Dave said, with my Watermaster, I can enjoy more fishing per hour than any other method I have ever tried. After two and a half years of testing 15 models of kickboats, I'm convinced that the Watermaster is the ultimate personal flotation craft for warm and cold water fly fishing. Visit Watermaster today and take a look at the ultimate personal flotation craft. Go to BigSkyInflatables.com. That's BigSkyInflatables.com. We're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, and we're talking with Richard Pulaski about fishing mice. If you'd like to ask Richard a question, just go to our homepage. Use that form on our homepage, fill it out, send it, and we'll 
try to get your question answered tonight on the show. Um, okay, so here we go. Uh, Silas Gray in Joplin, Missouri wrote in here, Richard. Um, he says, do you usually use an erratic retrieve? How about a splashy landing to get their attention? That's interesting. Uh, I've, I've had a number of times, for instance, when I'm fishing bass and bluegills, my fly lands, and before I can even take up the slack, it's gone. Uh, usually a bass has it at that point. Uh, the bass will take it uh, a lot of times immediately when it lands. And uh, most times I take and uh, I try to make a surface disturbance. I try to pop that fly. I even do that with some of my terrestrial patterns, like some of my uh, Mormon cricket imitations or uh, chubby Chernobyls. I'll, I'll actually make a uh, disturbance on the surface, and I think that's, uh, quite important. Um, I know uh, we've got questions here too on uh, fishing daylight hours versus yeah. night. Yeah, I've caught yeah. all of my fish in the daytime. I haven't fished at night. I plan to this summer. Actually, there's a guide service here out of uh, Vail, uh, Vail Valley Anglers, that does mousing floats on the Colorado River and the uh, Eagle River. And I'm going to book one this summer. I'm going to go mousing uh, on, probably on the Colorado at night. And uh, I've talked to people that have fished uh, mice on the Colorado, and uh, it's uh, supposedly very effective. But uh, I've caught all mine in the daylight, and uh, the fish certainly uh, are uh, chasing my fly. Yeah, uh, we had a few questions there. Dave uh, Hudak, Phil Riley, Andy Cordova all asking about time of day. Uh, so I, I think it's pretty well known that uh, that trout especially hit mice at night. Um, I know they do that up in northern Michigan, too. They're always fishing at night for big Oh, browns pounds. especially. Browns, yeah. browns are notorious uh, nocturnal feeders. Yeah. Um, I was actually looking at an, an article in Colorado Outdoors about fishing the North Delaney Butte Lake uh, near Walden, Colorado, at night. And they uh, didn't talk about specifically fishing uh, mice, but uh, they talked about fishing flies that would make a commotion at the surface. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, Stefan and uh, El... Ellensburg, Washington, also he wrote in earlier and, and asked questions, uh, but he's asking about uh, fishing for rainbow or cutthroat at night. I don't know how well they feed at night. Do you have any, any Well, the article on in that? Colorado Outdoors had pictures of cutthroat and rainbow that were caught at night. <laughs> oh, okay. From so, the shore. So. Uh, what I would plan to do, and I'm, I'm planning to do about two days up at uh, North Delaney Butte this summer, and uh, I'd go out probably at about 5 or 6 o'clock and fish until midnight right off the shore mm -hmm. and uh, just fan retrieve uh, various places along the shore. I know which sides of the lake I want to fish, and I would go definitely uh, start in daylight so that you know roughly what kind of water you're covering. If, if you go out in the dark, uh, you may not uh, know exactly what the water depths are that you're dealing with. You want to get your casting positions uh, nailed down while it's daylight. Yeah. 
Uh, Martin Coleman, uh, in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, he uh, asked, uh, does a mouse pattern attract more by movement, shape, or sound? I think movement and sound. Uh, that's why I, I pop that mouse. I want to make a uh, disturbance on the surface because I think fish are attracted to that movement and sound, the popping, mm -hmm. the uh, struggling at the surface, something swimming. Yeah, yeah, lifelike. It's, it's uh, moving, so it's alive, yeah. Um, and Stefan in El Ellensburg, uh, Washington again, yes, are there specific places in a river that produce on the mouse more than others? Are you looking for certain water speed, depth, or bank structure? Well, I, I don't fish rivers, but uh, obviously uh, you'd be uh, wanting to uh, fish a mouse where uh, you don't have as much speed. You don't want, uh, you know, class four rapids or real fast moving water because I don't think fish have the time to respond. Mm -hmm. um, certainly pound the banks. Typically uh, on rivers, people advise uh, fishing uh, across and down. Uh, typically like you would a uh, wet fly or a streamer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would uh, definitely work uh, quieter areas with maybe three feet or more water off the main channel because uh, fish will sit back there a lot of times and uh, be looking for a uh, nice handy meal like a uh, yummy little mouse. Yeah, and I would think... Uh doing the same thing you do with, you know, fishing hoppers on the bank or streamers oh, yeah. on the bank. You get it as close to the bank as you possibly can, you know, work yeah, it out. I, and, uh, I discussed uh, fishing mice a lot uh, this past weekend at the fly fishing show, and someone very nicely described it as dry fly streamer fishing mm -hmm. because uh, yeah. there's going to be no doubt at all whether you got a hit on a mouse. Same with on a streamer. Uh the yeah, uh, yeah. Hit, hits are big and uh, bold. Yeah, we um, we have, had a couple questions here from Dino and Bob Nunn, Vermont, uh, about retrieves. So have you experimented with different retrieves versus smooth versus intermittent? Or what, what have you found works best? There? What I like is I'll, I'll give it uh, kind of like a hand twist, uh, maybe a nine-inch strip and make it pop and then let it sit, pop, sit, pop, sit. Hmm. And what I find a lot of times is uh, they'll uh, hit it right when it stops. But I think the uh, movement attracts them and uh, gets them interested in it. Mm -hmm. Actually, I, it was interesting when I was in uh, Argentina uh, last month. We actually were fishing really clear water and we could see the mouse sitting at the surface. We saw a fish just lazily come right up, take the fish in its mouth, and go down. And that's take one the of mouse, the softest. Yeah, yeah, I caught him. Uh, he, he just came up, uh, perfectly Stuck clear water. Up. We could see him. Uh, it was probably 40 feet away and mm -hmm. came up, rose right up took the mouse, and went down. And uh, that's the softest hit I've ever seen on a mouse. It, it's probably the only one that I've ever seen uh, that was that soft. But uh, hmm. 
This is interesting. Yeah, Dino, uh, Dino asks here about um, is there any advantages to fishing the fly partially sunk or even completely sunk? I don't think so. Um, mice Scott don't Nelson swim underwater. About that. Yeah, Scott Nelson was asking about that, too, animated or dead drifted. Unless they're drowning, uh, they don't yeah. swim underwater. Yeah, yeah. That's why and they probably, tie them out of deer hair. Yeah, and and probably just thinking about it, if you uh, the like the it, the odds are that it's probably swimming rather than drowned and floating like a yeah. a nymph would. I mean, nymphs live in the water and uh, you know and are underwater, but mice don't spend any time underwater at all. So, kind of reduce your odds, I, I would think, uh, by trying to do that. Um, there is uh, some information out about uh, the strike on these things. Like you had just mentioned, this guy just sucked it in, basically, and went down. But uh, to maximize hookups, aren't there some techniques that you should use for getting more hookups? Because a lot of people were what, saying that they weren't getting hookups uh, as well. Well, what, what I find uh, is people will tend to uh, strike too soon. and. Uh, what I find with my mice, I want to see the uh, fish take the fly down. I want to see it uh, go, the fish come up and take it down before I uh, put pressure on them and uh, hook them. Um, you know, I, I think that some people will uh, actually take that fly out of its mouth. Yeah. Uh, by trying to uh, strike too soon. It's kind of uh, uh, it's real similar. If you've ever fished grayling, grayling, uh, you, you have to see them take the fly down because uh, that's otherwise you're not going to hook many of them. So do you wait till you feel a little weight on that on your line? Well, and some sometimes you... they just blast it and they're hooked. <laughs> but okay. uh, if you have a, a choice at all, you just wait a second, a couple seconds, and then uh, tighten up. But you want to see the mouse go down. Do you just uh, tighten up by raising your rod, or do you do a strip? Just raise the rod. All you have to do is raise the rod. If it's in in their mouth, you'll either hook them or pull it out. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes that happens. Uh, I've, you know, you'll feel resistance, and uh, then it's gone. And uh -huh. they've had it in their mouth, but they did not uh, get a hookup. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's just part of the game. That's why they call it fishing and not catching. Yeah, I would imagine you'd have to practice your techniques on that because that's a pretty big mouthful, you know, for a fish compared to, you know, size uh, sixteen atoms or something. Yeah, well, I mean? that's that's, uh, that's the thing. That's the main reason too. I think that I've sized down my uh, mice. I want to mm -hmm. fish a smaller one because I think you'll get more uh, hookups. With a smaller mouse. Yeah, 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 yeah. So any, um, so any other uh, thoughts going, you know, forward with mouse fishing that uh, you might want to change or try differently going going down the road here this coming year? Well, I, I certainly want to try uh, uh, some more species this summer. I want to fish uh, several different areas that uh, have pike and uh, pike are notorious for uh, being mouse eaters. Mm -hmm. I do want to try fishing at night. I'll try that on uh, the uh, probably on the Colorado River. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm going to be fishing anywhere I go uh, probably this summer with mice. Mm -hmm. are, are you, did you experiment much with color? I mean, have you tried darker mice well, or lighter mice or anything? Well, I've, uh, I had two different colors of backer rod. The older backer rod material that I had from uh, 10 or 15 years ago was a light gray, and the oh. uh, uh, newer backer rod is kind of a charcoal gray, a dark gray. And I've fished yeah. both. I don't really see any difference in those. But the now thing the is, that, too, that's the back the color. Yeah, yeah. The fish don't see that. Much of. Yeah. They see it yeah. from underneath. They see the uh, pine squirrel or they see the deer hair. Yeah, and the shape. And I think uh, the underneath shape. color is more important than uh, anything else. Yeah. The, um, the picture that you sent me, that backer rod, is that the lighter backer rod? That's the lighter backer rod. Uh, it's yeah. light gray, and it's uh, mm -hmm. light, much lighter than your backer rod, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's why I was yeah. asking. Yeah, yeah, mine's much darker. Mine's more of a charcoal gray, yeah. And actually, I've, so. I've got a friend that I've tied mice for who likes the lighter gray better. Mm. But he says that the reason is that he can see it better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the... Um, and I think the one you tied for me had a little darker tail too. Uh, you know. The well, the the color of the tail will vary. Uh, yeah. uh, a pine squirrel pelt has various colors in it: dark brown, yeah. medium brown, gray. Yeah. The belly is so gray. You, so you can. So it just depends color. on where you took yeah. that uh, uh, tail out of the hide. And yeah. I don't think it matters with that either because. They see it from underneath. They'll see it backlit. They don't see the color of the tail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, is there any problems with uh, that fly floating properly? Not. The know, only time I've had or? problems, <laughs> and I had this happen in Argentina, I had a fish rip the back off it. Oh, <laughs> and I, okay. I'm, I'm sitting there casting, and I said, that fly isn't floating, and bring it in, and there is nothing left but the pine squirrel. Yeah, yeah. And actually, the, the backer rod will soak up water. It is open-cell foam, uh, or mm -hmm. partially open-cell, and all you do is squeeze it and ah, send it out to uh, catch more fish. It'll uh, soak up a little bit of water, you just squeeze the foam. And, and there you go. Okay, good. Okay, so you're still going to fish a lot of mice this year. No, no new, uh, new uh, bugs or animals that you're going to try. Still work with the mice. I'm, I'm pretty sold on mice. <laughs> I'm kind of hooked on mice. Kind of hooked on mice. It, it, well, when you get going with uh, fishing these things, it gets very addictive. <laughs> yeah. but it, you get people that are streamer junkies. I guess I'm yeah. a mouse junkie. A mouse junkie. Okay, okay. Well, we'll have to check in with you next year and see what uh, new mousing techniques or strategies <laughs> or flies you've discovered uh, and uh, see where we go from there. Well, time to call it a night here, Richard. And um, stick with me, though. We're going to be giving away a few things here. Uh, we're going to give away one-year membership to Fly Fishers International and a one-year subscription to Fly Fishing and Tying Journal. We'll also be giving away a $25 gift certificate to Front Range Anglers in Boulder, Colorado. 
And if you want to visit their web website, it's frontrangeanglers.com, frontrangeanglers.com. But um, uh, you'll be able to redeem that, uh, that gift certificate uh, regardless of where you are. So keep that in mind. Uh, Reeling and Healing Midwest is a nonprofit organization that champions fly fishing retreats for women surviving and battling all types of cancer. Their mission is to introduce women to the healing powers of the sport of fly fishing and provide a one-of-a-kind experience on and off the water. This is accomplished through the elements of fly fishing, positive camaraderie, peer coaching, uh, nurture and support network, which in turn renews the spirit and hope of each participant. Reeling and Healing Midwest is in need of trout flies, waders, leaders, fishing equipment, and other items. To view their current wish list and to learn how you can support their retreats, visit fishon.org. That's fishon.org, or you can call them at 616-855-4017. That's 616-855-4017. And just a quick reminder to everyone tonight, uh, before you leave the website, please take a minute and give us your feedback about the show. You can uh, find a link on our homepage in the section under tonight's show that says, what did you think of this show? Just click on that link and leave your comments. We'd really appreciate it. So now it's time to give away a few prizes. Uh, winners from our drawings are randomly selected from the show's registration database. If you didn't register by now for tonight's show, it's too late. But make sure you register for the next show so you don't miss out on any of the chances to, to win some of these incredible prizes we have to offer. Uh, if you are the lucky winner, we'll contact you after the show and provide you with information on how to receive your prize. So the first thing we're giving away is a one-year membership to Fly Fishers International. Uh, and to learn more about FFI, go to flyfishersinternational.org. Great organization to support and be part of, so check them out. And our winner for that is Michael Kneg, I guess it is, and uh, in Michigan. So Michael Kneg and uh, or Neg, and uh, congratulations, Michael, on winning that membership. And now we'll give away a one-year subscription to the Fly Fishing and Tying Journal. And you can learn more about that and all the books uh, and periodicals that uh, Amato Books has to offer by going to their website, amatobooks.com. We've got a wealth of information there on fly fishing. And our winner for that is Jean Browning in Colorado. Well, Jean had asked a question tonight. So congratulations, Jean. Uh, glad you get that uh, subscription. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And so now um, we've got a giveaway, a $25 gift certificate to Front Range Anglers in Boulder, Colorado. That's frontrangeanglers.com. They've got a great shop. They were at the fly fishing show this year. Uh, took up a whole row there. Uh, really, really nice operation. So um, let me go to my uh, queue here, make sure it's uh, cleared. Um, give me a combination that, uh, for the leader setup that uh, Richard uses. He, he mentioned two different combinations there. Uh, tell me what it's made of, the length, and the, the weight of that material. So let me uh, see if uh, I made that too hard or not. But that would be something you should have written down. That's been working well for him. So let me know what his leader setup is. And uh, we'll see if he can't get you a $25 gift certificate to Front Range Anglers in Boulder, Colorado. 
So, uh, Richard, hang tight with me here. And, okay. Uh, take some minute. There's a delay before they actually hear us, and then they have to type it in. And so, um, we're anxiously awaiting for a winner here. Uh, I, I could have asked them how to spell backerod, I guess. <laughs> Because <laughs> at the show, I couldn't understand what you were saying either, so that's, I wasn't the only one out there. Yeah. The background noise, and it's something I've never never used or heard. I don't have any of that in my basement, unfortunately. So I had to show no, up like $3 or something <laughs> for it. You know? yeah. Not expensive. Um, so, um, uh I think this is it. Um, uh, we've got uh, Mason Hard Mono, uh, eight to twelve pound, uh, used in a four uh, two foot sections. Sounds like it, four, huh? Four four foot and two foot. Right. Yep. Four, four foot, foot at the foot. at the uh, with the heavier material and right. uh, joining up to the fly line, and two feet. Essentially, as a tippet. Yeah. But a very well, that's, heavy tippet. Uh, Andy Cordova uh, in Reno. Uh, you just got yourself a $25 gift certificate for Front Range Anglers. So, um, Andy, send me your, well, I've got your email address here. Uh, send me your ad in the same box that you filled out there. Send me your address as well and your phone number. Um, and then I'll get that information over to Front Range and they'll uh, hook you up with a, a gift certificate. So. Um, and we got a, a few other guesses here. Uh, yeah, we've got some others. Uh, Dave, you got it right. Uh, uh, Doug, you came close, but you didn't tell me the length. So, uh, uh, yeah. So there's a bunch of them. Amnesia? No, we didn't even talk about amnesia. Silas. So anyway, uh, some good guesses and some not so good guesses. Anyway, that's it. Um, um, Richard, always a pleasure to have you on the show and talking with you. And good to see you at the fly fishing show the other day and watch you tie a mouse. Uh, so now I'm ready to, to do my own here, just waiting for my pine squirrel. But uh, it's a pleasure having you on the show as always. Well, I, I always enjoy it. It's uh, really fun to uh, give something back to uh, fly fishing, which has given me such joy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you do a good job of it. And keep up the research. Um, we're, we're, of course, going to be anxiously awaiting more mouse results and also the next challenge. I don't know, maybe it would be flying crows or something, but uh, <laughs> I know you'll come up with something. <laughs> so uh, thanks again so much. Um, hopefully you've all found the archive on our website. If you haven't uh, yet, just look at the it says podcast archive in the top line menu. Click on that, then you can search by any keyword that you want. You can search by tarpon, or you know, you'll be able to search by mouse, uh, and uh, also, you know, Bighorn River, whatever you want to search for, and you'll probably find a show on it. Um, uh, we've done over 300 shows now, over 200 guests interviewed, so uh, work your way through that archive, and uh, you'll be able to learn quite a bit from it. Our next broadcast will be on January 22nd. 7 p.m. Mountain, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And on that show, I will interview Chris Johnson. And our topic will, for the show will be fly fishing the Texas Hill Country. Uh, Chris Johnson is the owner and head guide of Living Waters Fly Fishing, a fly shop and guide service 
based in Round Rock, Texas, and he has guided the Texas Hill Country for over a decade and has fished the heart of the state for almost 20 years. So listen in and learn about the exceptional fly fishing that you can experience in the Hill Country of Texas. We'd also like to thank Fly Fishers International, Amato Books, uh, Whipray Key Fishing Lodge, Baja Fly Fishing, and Watermaster for sponsoring our show tonight. And don't forget to visit our website at askaboutflyfishing.com and make sure you're signed up to receive our announcements so you don't miss out on any of our future projects. Thanks for listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. We hope you enjoyed the show. That's it. Good night, everyone, and 